Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. All right, I don't know if I should like be happy or if I should uh, just just be real sad and disappointed uh, for the tone of this podcast. But son of a bitch, my phone is ringing in my house. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> like no one ever. Who the hell is calling? We're my off house? to a great start. Earliest cusser ever. Informed electricians. We got electricity, so we should just carry on. You're interrupting the podcast. Shut up. This we could have. I could have just. Uh, we could have just lit up some candles too to start this podcast if you wanted to. If we wanted to start somber. Mm-hmm. I poured one out for uh, my homies before we came in here. So who are your homies, Joe? My homies are all uh, our board members. You know, I feel bad for. Is them. that like Baker? I don't feel bad for him at all. <laughs> uh, I guess we should bring in Josh McQuistian, who is now. Uh, uh, you know, the unofficial forty. This, the 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 thought behind the first thing is we'll have a recruiting podcast. We'll call it the unofficial forty. We'll cut him up with some other team podcast. But Josh just keeps butting in on our team podcast, so the unofficial 40 is just the unofficial 40. Josh, are you there? I'm here. You know, it's funny, Kerry. I was just having the same thought. Like, we need to do a new intro or or something because yeah, I gotta pay right now we're not talking much recruiting. I got to pay the big voice guy again. That sucks. Well, he's got to do Joe's name, and he's got to do Eddie's name right. I, I like the way you did my name last week, Kerry. We can just keep going with you as a big voice guy. Not as sick as I was last week, so... I don't have the deep, sultry voice. Plus, plus this we got to redo. Eddie Radosevich. Just mispronunciation. I I still love it. Like years later, I still kind of love that. It sounds like a wrestling intro. Eddie Radosevich. Just pay Joe to do the big voice. All right, so let's get into this right off the bat. Let's quit screwing around because this is a a big week. And by the way, there's been literally. Zero talk about the Sooners opening up a new stadium this week, which that's pretty <laughs> much what Houston did, is they screwed up any and all openings. And I've seen, like, I saw it today before we did the podcast, like, OU was tweeting out, this is the new fan amenities that you're yeah. going to enjoy in the stadium. Like, shut up, nobody cares. <laughs> bad, bad week to do it. Just got to win the damn game, move on, and celebrate before Ohio State gets here. Oh, man. it. They, I mean, you said worst case scenario, and... Here we are. Worst case scenario. Did we even hint like at a loss? Didn't we kind of hint at a loss? Yeah. Like how bad it would suck last week? Yeah, I think I think we did more than most. I would say. I think we were more cautious. Definitely, we all discussed the three and two possibility. Like that's and, true. and gave yeah. it some credence. Well, I think I mean one and four is now a possibility, right? Okay, it's not out of the question. Just calm down, Joe. <laughs> Let's let's let, let nobody listen. Like like it was funny. Like the podcast analytics. Like 
they stopped. Like people, if OU had won, I think people probably would have gone back. We probably had a few hundred people that went back and listened to the podcast over the weekend to see, hey, I want to hear what the boys said before the game. It just dead. Like nobody listened to the podcast after Saturday, like last week's podcast. <laughs> like our ratings, like we just fell off the iTunes charts. Damn. So, and, and now we got email. <laughs> so this one would be people come back to this one who are kind of like going back on the wagon really quickly, just they can't give it up. They're just kind of. I think. I mean, this is this. I I think that a lot of people will listen to this because we're going to it, within this hour we're going to uh, tear Oklahoma down and remind everyone how Bob Stoops tore Baker Mayfield down. The evil Bob Stoops. How dare he say anything negative about Baker Mayfield directly? Uh, we're gonna get into that, but you know what? Bob had to do what the receivers didn't want to do, which was talk about how they weren't the problem. And Bob, I mean, in his press conference on Monday, Bob was basically asked, I think Ashback asked him, like, how bad, Bob, how bad are you receivers? They suck. <laughs> and Bob was, Bob basically had to call out Baker because his receivers and his offensive line really weren't the problem. And, and here's Bob. You know, I, I think a lot of times, uh, again, it's what I said, I, I think, and I hate to, you know, I only have one quarterback. I don't like to throw players' names, but at, at times Baker held on, you know, instead of taking what was open and what was there in his first read, was waiting for something different, you know, something that takes a little longer to progress. And, you know, and, and that's not how the offense operates, you know. And we had, we had guys in certain spots that, you know, that would have been easier throws and would have, would have helped us. Josh, you did the Monday Morning Idiot, so you. I got to be honest. I haven't even had time to really. I've I've got the I've got it recorded on my DVR. I think probably Thursday night, Friday, I'll watch it, rewatch it. But Bob or, or Josh, you went back and broke it all down for the Monday Morning Idiot. When you rewatched it, how much of Baker's fault really rang true? Well. You know, you got to be honest. It's a little hard to know because we can't see that all 22. Like, I can't see what Baker's looking at because it's in that tight, you know, televised window. But at the same time, clearly you could see some indecision. I mean, a lot more kind of – like, last year I felt like you would see Baker pump and then, like, it would go. You know, it, it was it was it it looked like it was part of the plan. This time he looked like he would kind of make his mind up and he'd pull it back. And it I don't know if it was from – a lack of confidence in what he was seeing, a lack of confidence in his receivers. But clearly, he didn't look as decisive as the guy we remember from last year that, good, bad, or otherwise, was going to let it go and see if see what happened. So I, I definitely thought there was more hesitation, kind of like what Bob was saying, where there just seemed to be a lack to kind of pull the trigger on something that was there. And that's that. whatever you wanted to question about Baker Mayfield last year, that was never the question. It reminded me of you ever been standing over like a golf shot, and you just are kind of thinking, ah, "I've been I've been hitting hitting bad today, so I'm just going to expect it to I'm going to expect to blade this one. I'm expect to hit this one bad." And if you do that before you even over the ball, your shot's ruined. Baker kind of looked like before each play, he kind of decided it wasn't going to work out the way he thought it was going to, and so he was skittish from the bat. You just have to pick a shot, stick with it, and be confident to work. And it didn't look like that's what Baker was doing, which is crazy because he started nine for nine. All right. Yeah. But that second half, he, he, he admitted they started to force it. They, 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 they felt like they should have had more success on the scoreboard in the first half from what they were putting out on the field, and that frustrated them, and he forced the issue a little bit in the second half. Well, and it was, it was interesting, Eddie, kind of talking to the receivers this week too because you really did – I mean, it was like, okay, is Bob just – I think the first thought is, is Bob just trying to kind of cushion the blow for receivers that you know haven't really been experienced yet and he doesn't want to – 
jump on those guys. And Baker, I saw one person say, oh, Baker can handle it. That's why Bob did it. Basically, talking to the receivers this week, you really did get the sense like, uh, yeah, they, they were open and he wasn't throwing the ball. Here's Mark Andrews talking. Uh, it would have been on Monday. Houston did obviously a great job of disrupting um, you know, plays and, and what, able, what Baker was able to see and whatnot. So um, that's hard to say. I thought I was open a lot, but you know, they were able to do so much with disrupting us. Um, credit to them. Um, so you can't really say if I was you know, open or not. For- if anybody, if anybody threw anybody under the bus this weekend, <laughs> it was Mark Andrews just throwing his I quarterback felt like I was under open the bus. A lot, yeah. I mean, that's just—it's well, so no, ridiculous. No, no, no. no, here's here's. Oh, it's ridiculous, huh? Like you—you you think Mark Andrews is ridiculous? No, 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 no. I I think it's just ridiculous how bad Baker Bayfield was. This guy's supposed to be a Heisman Trophy quarterback. He pretty much threw up on himself in the second half on Saturday. Fire. Uh, here is uh, A.D. Miller talking about whether the receivers were open. A.D. Baker was saying today that uh, he, he felt like he got too greedy. He tried to do too much uh, in the game Saturday. What do you guys, what can you guys do as a receiving core to let him know that he can trust in you, that he doesn't have to do it all on his own? Uh, get open faster. Um, <laughs> that's, get open faster. Uh, make plays when you get the opportunity to. So I thought that was pretty telling, too. Like, get open faster because we were already open. <laughs> he, he was saying I got open, but yeah. I guess I, I just got to get open faster. I mean, it was just so bad. But, I mean, I I just don't understand where everything went went downhill after the first two drives. It's like everything's going well, and then face a little adversity, and they're soft is what it seemed like. Well, I mean, I don't think that's soft as much as it. I think Lincoln Riley takes blame in it. Yeah. I mean, he, he panicked along with Baker. I thought just just abandoning the run game. Of course, you lose Samaj Piran. Let's face it. I mean, Samaj Piran was not healthy after he got hurt, or he would have been in there a whole lot more. Uh, I think he realized, okay, we can't put Abdul Adams in the game. We got to go with Daniel Brooks. So now all we have is Joe Mixon and Daniel Brooks, and now my pass happy running back has got to be my running back and so that really screws up my offense and Baker's out there trying to th- out throw overthrow the coverage every time to try and complete a pass all of a sudden it just yeah it just all fell apart why why do they go to Daniel Brooks there in that situation and not put in a guy like Abdul Adams I, I just Abdul think you- Adams ran out on the field and Bay and, and uh, Lincoln Riley grabbed his shoulder pads and yanked him back. I just don't understand the. I think the other the other complaint would be, and and I think a lot of people on the board have said the same thing is is you have to go through this process of being able to produce for uh, the Bob Stoops coaching staff, I guess. And I just don't understand where you kind of get off of that tracking. Just let guys play. You let players play. And I think that it's frustrating when you're looking at guys like. Uh, you know, just across the country, fr- true freshmen, redshirt freshmen coming in and producing everywhere except for Oklahoma. Well, Kerry Cooks clearly doesn't mind. He put in Parrish Cobb, who's been on campus for just a few months. So I think it's almost like by a position-by-position position basis, you can see how some guys are more hesitant to put out guys that haven't been in their system for a while, and they got to wait out. I don't know. Uh, the, Ad, Abdul Adams has been getting a lot of rave reviews, but Daniel Brooks has also been getting some good reviews. I mean, every, he, he is the fastest guy on that team. My thing is, if you're going to have him in the game, realize he's a different running back altogether than Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan. Get him the ball out in space. Get him moving horizontally. They brought him in for one carry. I think it was like a third and short. I mean, it's, it's about understanding what your new personnel is after Samaj leaves the game. Well, the other thing that was weird, Eddie, I thought it was kind of strange, like after the game, Lincoln Riley is talking... And I mentioned this on the radio the other day, or maybe I mentioned it to you. By the way, driving back 
Like Eddie is dominating the podcast so far. Like this is there has been so much on Eddie's chest. Like <laughs> Eddie talked more about the game in our seven hour drive back than he's ever talked about a game before. Pissed. I was pissed. You were- <laughs> it's just embarrassing. Were you, were you mad though because you had to spend the whole night before with your dad as he was chewing you out? Basically? Yeah, I think a little bit of it came through that, but like it was your dad projecting. <laughs> no, I it just it was I, it, I think like it was, he was just he was he was evil angry Eddie for a while. Yeah, I said some really Sunday. hateful things about eighteen and nineteen year old athletes on the way home to carry. <laughs> But it was, uh, I think it was just more just reading the board the entire time on the way back. And it's just like, God, we're seven days into this thing. And I want to burn everything down. See, for me, it was therapeutic because I sat in the hotel for like two hours and watched football and just started that Q&A thread. Yeah. And so I could just kind of talk it through with people. And it it made me feel better just because, I mean, look. Everybody was like on edge about, you know, you gotta you gotta ask Stoops the tough questions. You know, don't let him off the hook. But I mean, Bob really takes his medicine in these situations. Like in this press conference, I thought he could have blamed the coaches a little bit more than he did. Yeah. But essentially what he's doing is saying, look, this is why you guys lost. This is why you screwed up because you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And you better stop doing that or you're gonna have a sucky season. The things that I think are really funny after losses like this are the people that, A, media doesn't ask them the tough questions. That's going to make them play better on Saturdays. No, that's not going to happen. It's just, it's, it's it just, just the, the thing. Then, then the other one, what was the other one that I was thinking of? Oh, it was just the, the, the whole kick six thing, too, was just astonishing and how it all went down. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll get more into it here whenever, but it just... That we, we've asked the players, they knew about it. And I just don't think that anybody that has been around Siebert thought something like that would happen. I don't think they thought yeah. that the, the ball would not... That he wouldn't get that, it. Yeah, that he wouldn't at least, at least get it through get it the back, back, back of the, the end, end zone. zone yeah. yeah, I mean, it just, it was astonishing. And there was a lot of things that went into, uh, into the loss. And, uh, you know, I don't think anything was more speechless, though, than uh, that left me speechless more than uh, waking up on Sunday morning to see the video of... Dakota Austin tackling two oh, guys without yeah, the ball. Bad. That was really bad. By the way, here's Bob Stoops uh, Monday after he'd kind of had a chance to look things over talking about Seibert's kick. Someone asked me, I think it was Dean, after the game. I didn't realize it at the time. I was watching the protection, but it's plain as day. He, he, and he, I talked to him about it, and he, he, he said between the two of them, and they do this all summer. All, I mean, that, that hasn't happened in all our practices, but he started early, so he was too soon. He had to stop, and he lost his momentum. Just it's the way it goes. So, I mean, nobody could have saw but yeah, he did start early. It did screw up his, his, his motion, and his leg didn't have the normal power behind it that it normally would have had. Yeah, but I, to me, the in hindsight, it didn't even, it, not even in hindsight, at the moment, it felt like a strange call. It, I mean, it wasn't as bad as Jimmy Stevens in the 2008 National Championship game, but it felt like there are a lot of bad things that can happen here. I thought that far away, kicking it low, a, a block might happen. I thought, okay, the Houston might block this and get a score back here. I mean, you can't really foresee a 109 kick return. But they wouldn't have even had their kick returner out there had Bob Stoops not called it a necessary timeout before then. So it just all kind of felt um, – it didn't feel like the right move. It felt like even though it was a crazy situation, at some point you had to own up. Bob Stoops needed to own up to – 
putting his team in a situation that a lot of bad things could have happened and only one good thing could have gone right and it would have only netted three points. You go back before that, too, and it's just crazy. OU has first and 10 at the 28, and they're driving. It's 1917. Mayfield gets sacked, and all of a sudden they're in a six, second and 16 hole and can't climb out of it. Yeah, I mean, they just didn't respond. And, no. and the offense crumbled. And that's, that's the number one thing I think that you take out of that game is that the way that they responded to adversity. And, you know, in a way, it's something that we've seen time and time again the last couple seasons. Yeah, but with Baker, I mean, his losses have basically been when it sucks from the beginning, it sucks the whole way yeah. through. We've never seen him go nine for nine of 162 yards and then just disappear. You, I mean, well, not just Baker Mayfield, but anybody. You I never see a quarterback do that. Yeah. And you all, did that, did that game feel chaotic from the – like, even when OU was rolling, it felt a little out of control. Like, it felt like – I don't know. Like, I don't know if too easy is the right way to say it. Or, like, it just didn't feel like Oklahoma was dominating that game the way that the stats and the numbers and the scoreboard kind of showed to me. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's a right feeling. It was just a weird – and I'm certainly not saying – you could feel like Oklahoma was going to lose that game. It just felt funny to me. Like it felt, I don't know, like maybe this couldn't be sustained or something. Well, I mean, two of the two plays accounted for 124 yards in the first half where the Mark Andrews touchdown and the Joe Mixon one-handed catch. Then you also had 32 yards from Joe Mixon's first run of the game. So there's three plays right there that were a huge chunk of Oklahoma's total yardage. Outside of that, it was a lot of underneath stuff. They didn't really... Uh, do a lot of big chunk plays. It was kind of like, I like, like the way Josh put that, it's kind of disjointed. It was, it, it didn't feel like a game that had a lot of flow to it. Oklahoma didn't really get into a rhythm, it felt like. Well, and you think about all the yards that that uh, that Houston put up, the 109 yards don't count on their offense that they had on the the, uh, the kick return, the field goal return, the kick six. So that's another 100 yards of offense, essentially, against you if you're Oklahoma. Um, one of the things that, you know, that we talked about was the kick and stuff like that, but defensively, you know, it's hard to be too critical of anything other than Dakota Austin. Um, It was really interesting this week. Just yesterday, we talked to Matt Romar, and he updated us on what his situation was. Uh, You know, he got a concussion in the second practice. They weren't even in full pads. He got a concussion. It was so bad that all he remembers was waking up in the hospital. He said he kind of does remember being in the ambulance a little bit on the way there. But, I mean, the fact they had to come get him in an ambulance and take him to the hospital on a non-pads practice, and everybody's saying, oh, this team isn't physical enough. They don't work hard. They don't, they don't hit hard enough. That's got to be kind of jarring to you when you start camp. You haven't even hit full pads. You haven't done Oklahoma drill, any of that. And you got a guy being taken to the hospital with a concussion. I was just surprised how, just how serious everything was, it seemed like that. I mean, where he talked about having the uh put, put blackout yeah, put blackout his over his yeah. windows and just i don't know it was kind of one of those things that you can be as pissed as you want about the football game but it's like hearing a guy talk like that and then thinking about all the cte stuff down the road just kind of scary it's almost like eh, i don't know if it it'd be worth it to go back out there the way that he was talking about it this stuff is so random i was just listening listening to herm edwards this week say that he didn't miss a single practice or game from high school through his whole pro career didn't miss one and then we had a kid in high school football die last week on the field making a tackle. I mean, it's just it's it's kind of so random. You know, you have Matt Romar, who's one of the most physical guys on the team, and he has this concussion. He's going to the hospital in, in, in non-contact workout. So I, I don't know how you predict and how do you plan for that kind of stuff in football. I, mean, I don't know. I, it, it maybe maybe the answer is you 
you just go ahead and, and hit and practice and stuff, but I, I don't know. Well, he said he found out Thursday before the game that he was cleared. He'd been going through all the concussion protocols, like you said, Eddie, uh, blacking out his window, staying uh, in the dark, uh, and he'd just been cleared for Thursday, and he hadn't been able to like lift or work out or run or do anything like that. <laughs> Uh, so he was basically coming in after a month off and playing in a football game. <laughs> Poor guy came in just huffing and puffing on Tuesday after practice, <laughs> trying to get his uh, trying to get his conditioning back. Down. Here's here's Matt Romar talking about kind of what he was going through. Actually, I didn't like doing the concussion. When you're going through that protocol, you can't do nothing, nothing. So that's why I'm I'm trying to catch up on it right now. That's why I look so bad. <laughs> I just got to run and win sprints. So, yeah, he's out there. He has to go through a regular practice. Then he has to do conditioning afterward to try and catch back up. But, I, he, you know, he, he did come in. He did play. Jordan Wade was the better player between the two. Uh, Obo did some really nice things. Uh, who was it that Bob Stoop singled out two other guys? I couldn't even remember that today. On the defense On the defensive side? line. Oh, uh, I think he said Jordan Wade, and I think he said... Uh, Jordan Wade, Obo. Obo, and uh, Matt Diamond, I thought. Was it Matt Diamond? Yeah. Okay. If, if you're you're not going to find a complaint from me by the play of the defensive line on Saturday, I thought they played pretty well. Uh, I think if there's one thing that you could maybe uh, be angry about, it was the pressure on Ward in the first half. But uh, towards the end of the half, I start I thought they started getting a little bit closer to him. And uh, you know, the one play that I think everybody remembers from the first half is when they did get pressure on him. He was able to get out, and they had the long play down the uh, sideline, down by the Houston. Uh, Houston bench and kind of set him up for the field goal right before half. So it it was uh, you know it was it was a tough game uh, just in that they couldn't get off the field on third down and that's going to have to change if they want to uh, win the game win their next four or win their next four games and they're extremely tough coming up uh, here after this weekend with uh, Louisa Monroe when you look at Ohio State and then uh, TCU and Texas. So it's they're pretty much practicing this week for the rest of their season. Uh, that will be uh, pretty much decided over the next four weeks. Well, I think the thing about the game defensively that you can't forgive is the tackling in the beginning yeah. of the game, uh, and that was something that I, I talk, had a chance to catch up with Mike Stoops about uh, yesterday. Uh, kind of had a couple questions for him on that. You think every defensive coordinator in America goes into a first game? Worried about how they're going to tackle the way the way things are nowadays. Yeah, I, I think um, you know we we certainly um, try to protect our players the best we can, and but that's tough when you go and play an opponent like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That, that's able to execute that well. You can't you know you can't kind of work your way into it. I mean yeah. you gotta you got to play effectively, and I, I think we missed uh, two tackles for about 50 yards right out the gate, lost leverage on a – they threw the ball five yards down the field, and we, they got 50 yards in the first two plays of the game. He threw a five-yard little yeah. out route, gets 20. He throws a, a bubble screen and gets 25. So they got 45 yards on uh, two passes where the ball was thrown down the field five yards. That, you know, that's just stuff that, you know, the game uh, – when you get into game speed, that's – you know, those just missing things a little bit. It's, mm -hmm. it's just different speed. We, so when you have the, the, you know, you have a second half and everybody settles in, you play pretty well at times on defense. Does that give you hope moving forward that you're beh that's behind you, or is that something you just have to work every day? Well, I think we d we did some, you know, we did some pauses. You know, if you'd have told me we'd have held that team to 80 yards rushing and, and lost, I would have thought you were, you know, crazy. But 
you know, it's still finding a balance between, you know, uh, you know, putting all that pressure on guys that maybe can't, you know, they can't handle it. Finding ways to help, you know, we happened to have this two years ago where we, you know, gave up too many yards. We didn't help our secondary enough. We were strong in the run game. So there's always balance, and that's what's hard about playing a team like this. They, you know, because they put so much stress both ways on you. Uh, and, you know, he's such a, an improved thrower. Yeah. You know, some of those balls were just, you know, they, they just, you know, they made, they made the plays we didn't. Do you think they underestimated Greg Ward's arm? Do you think? That- I think everybody did. I mean, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's, Josh, I mean, you can tell me, you, you probably caught a few Houston games being down there, but I mean, he's, he has been historically a guy that throws short routes and, you know, is a dink and dunk guy and is not particularly, I mean, with the, the the pass per completion or yards per completion, he should probably be like a seventy five percent quarterback, and he's he's right about like sixty six, I think. You know, yeah, I mean, and that that's what you you look at it with Ward, and it kind of goes into what you guys were just talking about, where you were saying, oh, you know, the defensive line wasn't getting a lot of pressure. Oklahoma was using that kind of mush rush where they were really just trying to gum up that front five for Houston and keep Ward in the pocket. Make sure he didn't go anywhere and make plays with his feet. That was clearly the plan in the first half until he started hitting some back shoulders and doing some things that he didn't, you know, as well as he played against Florida State, he wasn't doing that stuff. That was the game that I watched for under the hood and really kind of went down and watched every throw he made. And, you know, like you said, Kerry, I've had a chance to see him uh, in several games, all the coverage they get down here in Houston. But he was doing things against Oklahoma that he didn't do all of last year. And, you know, you hear coaches say, oh, he made this big leap through the offseason and Herman had said that all summer. But you never know whether you believe that stuff. You never know if it's real. But I don't think there's any question. As a passer, he had improved greatly. And I think it surprised Oklahoma. They made some adjustments. And that's why I think you saw them dialing up more pressure in the second half. Oboe was coming off the corner more. They brought Will Johnson. They brought some corner blitzes from Parrish Cobb. I mean, they really were trying to mix it up more where in that first half it was more about containment and make you beat him with his arm. And really, if you take out some of those throws where Austin was just turned around and all over the place, I don't know how effective he was. You know, he, And he, the thing was, he even missed some throws still. So yeah, I, I thought Oklahoma really did do a pretty good job defensively. I think they've been beaten up a little bit, and I think it's a little unfair. But they had one gaping hole – and then it kind of allowed Houston to get in a rhythm and do some other things. And then he started really making some throws. But, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is he improved greatly from what we'd seen before as a passer. You know, you mentioned Parrish Cobb in there, too. I think we have to talk about Dakota Austin and just, just – he was flat-out awful. I mean, he he couldn't tackle. He was losing people. I mean, the vine that was out there is just – you look at that and you wonder, like, how does it, how does it, I think I said this to you, Eddie, like, if I'm a player and I see that, how, how do I even recover? Like, how do I even, how does my confidence just not completely hit rock bottom to where I don't ever recover? Do you think he's seen it? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, you have. In, in today's age, he probably was one of the first people he's to see He's still on social media. Like, he was oh, still yeah. tweeting before that game. He tweeted after the game. I think, I think if there's one player down there and, Maybe this is a good thing, or or it could be a bad thing. Uh, if there's one player down there that just doesn't care and gives zero Fs about what people say about him, it's probably 
Dakota Austin. I mean, uh, what that what that means going forward, we'll see. I, I don't know how big of a how big of a role he still has on this team, even though he's going to be battling it out with Parrish Cobb and uh, and possibly Micaiah Quick going into this week. But it's uh, that was that's unforgivable, pretty much for a for a for player. Austin. Yeah, for a player to be doing something like that at and not even just at a school like Oklahoma, but at that level of Division One football. I'll say one thing: Dunbar's a hell of a receiver. Yeah, and he's a he's a problem for pretty much every. I mean, even Jordan, even they even threw a back shoulder, you know, to, against Jordan Thomas when he was on him. So, the I thought the biggest indictment that Mike Stoops said on Tuesday was the fact that they didn't have one single pass breakup the entire yeah. game. I thought he tipped his hand a little bit there too because he said, you know, you just can't. You, you're going to lose some fifty fifty balls, but he said we got to win one. We got to win one of those. Well, things. doesn't Dakota Austin's in the end zone? That's a pass breakup. Uh, that they called been. a penalty though, didn't they? Not the one, on, the one that he almost intercepted. The one the that he almost intercepted and the oh, receiver came that probably back. Should have been when he was beat and then yeah, got that lucky. Be a PBU. Yeah, I mean, we're not counting it on this podcast. <laughs> Charles Walker got one. Does that count? Eddie was very mad. I remember Eddie was very mad about that play in particular on the way home Sunday. Which one? That was the, almost a touchdown. When when Dakota Austin let the guy come back. Yeah. And almost take the ball, and almost catch the ball again. Well, he was beat. Like, I mean, Dakota Austin beat him, and was in perfect position to defend it and actually intercept it. And then he let the receiver come back around and almost catch it, like he, like if he were the defensive back. Just yes, so, so bad. The one pass breakup was not a good play. Now Parrish Cobb came in. I thought he looked shaky at times, and it was obvious that once they kind of got things settled. Or maybe not even settle, but they realized, like, you know, okay, we need to give Dakota another chance. Maybe he settled down. Or maybe Dakota said something on the sideline to Kerry Cooks, and he was just like, screw that. We're putting in Parrish Cobb. And maybe, you know, I don't know what happened there. Nobody's really talking about it. You know, the, the we never – it's kind of like that week. You don't want to start – that's kind of like dissecting the frog. I mean, it's like – Okay, what happened? Did you say something bad to get yanked? And then how, why did you put him back in? You know, but Parrish Cobb for a true freshman that's never played college football before to come into a game where OU is obviously struggling. I I don't know, Josh. I didn't think it was that bad. I I, comp- I completely agree. You know, if you want to say, well, he wasn't any better than Dakota Austin, eh, I would probably disagree with that. But he certainly wasn't any worse. And for me, you know, you look at a true freshman, like Joe said earlier, that's been on campus for about two months, and he's no worse than your redshirt senior who's giving up size, isn't as explosive as Cobb is. I, I don't even know how it's a question. Parrish Cobb, or if you want to go with Micaiah Quick, you know, we didn't get to see much of him on the weekend, so, I mean, maybe, maybe they really want to give him a shot this week in practice and kind of see where that goes. But to me, it's those two. I, I don't even... Unless Dakota Austin somehow just completely changes everything about himself and his game, I don't know how he gets on the field Saturday. I, I don't know how you justify that because it's not uh, – don't get me wrong. Stephen Dunbar is a good player. You're absolutely right, Kerry. Is he unlike things that Oklahoma's going to see fairly frequently in the Big 12? No. Th- there's other receivers that are every bit as good. You think OSU won't line up James Washington over Dakota Austin all day, every yeah. day? They'll or Jawan Sills is much bigger it, and physical. It, exactly. I mean, you you take your pick. Anybody who can challenge him vertically, forget about whether it's just size. 
but has that ability to work vertical is going to give Dakota Austin problems. And that's just, that's not Dakota Austin not wanting to or not being a guy that's working hard enough. You know, I know he takes all that as a slight. He just has physical limitations that you can't get around. One thing, Eddie, I know um, you were there. I was over, I think, talking to Will Johnson, but you were talking to Mike Stoops and somebody had asked him if PJ and Banasaur was in the mix. Unlikely. Unlikely. That'd be the be- that'd yeah. be the uh, the nicest way to put it. I think he said he's not in our plans right now. Was the direct I mean, quote. man, what a fall for that dude. It it's really interesting when you talk about you know just that they that they even went to a true freshman in Parish Cobb. What an indictment that is on guys like PJ and Banasor, Stan Vaughn uh, Taylor, Antoine Stevens. I mean, those are guys that are just flat out have gotten passed up, and it's like, what what are those guys? What do they do at practice? I mean, are they on scout team right now? Or seriously, like it seems like Parnell Motley and Parrish Cobb have just asserted they've. I mean, they're on the two D. It's really and Makai quick switch positions a few months ago, yeah. and he's already had all those guys. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, what do those? It doesn't guys? say. I mean, it's it's an indictment on a lot of things. Recruiting. I I, I thought it was coaching. I yeah. Thought, I thought it was an interesting question. Somebody asked uh, Dakota. So what you know? What's that like in practice with you and Parrish Cobb? And you never really thought about it before. But you have a fifth year senior, and a guy who's been here a couple months. And that and fifth it year, was hurt. Most, you know, yeah, half a can. And he and that Dakota Austin has to just feel like this freshman can't come in and take this. He just can't. He has to almost feel a little angry towards that guy because when when Dakota responded, he just kind of said, "Well, I'm going to do my job and let the coaches." You know, decide what they will. He didn't mention at all about how, you know, I'm trying to help Parrish. We're working together. None of that. He just said, I got to do my job and let the coaches decide what they will. Here is a little bit of a discussion I had with Mike Stoops on Parrish Cobb and that competition. How did you evaluate Cobb? Because, I mean, that's probably a tough situation for any oh, freshman to come in with defense. Yeah, it was with. tough. But, you know, we, we got to find someone that we, you know, that can, you know, withstand, you know, the, the challenges that come. And, uh, you know, they're going to come and they're going to keep coming. They, they, they ain't going to stop. So, you know, we got to find a way to win some of those 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 balls. Does that help you evaluate things when it's it's more high stakes, knowing that one guy's going to start during the week in, in terms of how they practice during the week? Does it show you a little bit more? Yeah, well, I mean, they, they know we need, uh, we need some consistency out there. Um, or we're, you know, it's, they're, they're, the balls are going to keep coming. That's one thing. They ought to be ready for it because it's it's going to come. So, you just got to take it on as a personal challenge. That's to me. That's your pride and that's your technique and that's why you're here. You know what I mean? You get challenged and you got you got to be up for it. And we're going to find out who's you know who's man enough for the challenge and you know who isn't. So you know the, the only time will tell. You know when they get their opportunities. And so the way practice works. I mean today will be another all out day. So I would say. This is the day that they're deciding who's going to be their starting corner on Saturday. Any chance they say something tonight as far as uh, talking to Bob? I think you have to ask. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, th- I think you have to ask. I'm not sure you'll get an answer. Yeah. But I think you have to ask. It's true. Especially if you got a true freshman starting, they're not going to want you to know they're starting. Yeah. So I guess we have to do the read between the lines. Like if he says, if he names someone it'll be Dakota. If he doesn't name someone, it's probably going to be Cobb. I'm, I'm kinda, or maybe Quick. I'm kind of with Josh that I'll be shocked if it's not Parrish Cobb. I don't understand how Dakota Austin's going to get that job back, especially listening to Mike Stoops talk about Dakota Austin and how he plays. He said, you know, Dakota's got to win technique, and if he, if he doesn't have technique, he's already at a loss because he doesn't have the athleticism and speed 
to keep up with these receivers. Well, that sounds to me right there that you don't have a lot of faith in that cornerback already and that you're kind of already itching to get Parrish Cobb out there and his athleticism and speed and teach him the technique to win up front. So I, don't, I would be shocked if it's not Cobb. The worst thing that they could do is start Dakota Austin. He plays well against probably uh, an a, a, opponent, a terrible yeah. team. Yeah, and then team. he gets, gets exposed again and gets Ohio lit State up at Ohio State. And if that happens, you have the right to boo. That, that's a great point, Eddie, you know, because it, it, it does. You won't get anything out of that ULM game. What are you going to learn about Dakota Austin playing against guys that, frankly, can't overwhelm him like Ohio State and TCU and Texas and some of their athletes? And, you know, th- that's kind of the thing. Like, the choice of Dakota Austin, to me, always felt like a tip of the cap to the senior. You know, he did all the things they asked him to do. He never quit. He never got, you know – sullen about not being uh, not being a starter just kind of did all the things you would want out of a fifth-year senior dakota austin all those things it's like giving paul thompson the job over rep bomar exactly exactly but now you've put him out there and the whole team knows guys we're going to be in trouble if this is our guy if this is our guy we're going to have a problem all year long why don't we get somebody else out there that's got more upside and I, i think that gave the whole team a chance to kind of absorb that and realize we're not doing this to play a freshman or throw some sacrificial lamb out there. We're doing this because it's our only option. It it almost seemed like to talking to Jordan Austin or just hearing him talk on Tuesday. It almost seemed like they've moved on because he talked about, and I think you put it in the three two one about how they need to get these young guys ready more. And there really wasn't any talk about rehabbing Dakota Austin and his effort. Here's the thing: if you want to be cutthroat about it and just say this is the, this is the best thing for the team. No more worrying about guys' feelings. Of course, sometimes you have to do that because you don't want to lose your team. Like if yeah. if you have a senior guy that's worked there that's played well, and you put some unproven guy in his place because you think he's going to be better, and he doesn't work out, yeah. that's going to be a blow to morale on your team. But now that they've seen it, and they've seen how badly it could go. I think the only thing that this staff can do is put Parrish Cobb out there as a starter on Saturday. Let him get that game experience. And then if you start him against Ohio State and it doesn't go well, at least Dakota Austin has started three games now, almost four in his career, and it's not going to kill you. And not that the coaches care about this kind of thing, but it would help the the narrative for Dakota Austin if that was the case. If he were to uh, come into the Ohio State game as more of a role where he can come in and help something rather than being the scapegoat again uh, put out there for another two weeks. I, uh, but there, there's no doubt. I mean, the the players have to see it. He, Cobb has to earn that on the field right. this week. But I think if it's a tie, you should go with Cobb. And Or Quick. I don't know. Maybe we are dismissing Makai Quick here too because Mike did say that he's going to give Quick a chance to get in there and he's going to be a guy who... I don't know. He, he wasn't going to be polished, but he seemed like somebody who could pick it up quickly. He, he played cornerback in high school. Uh, he seemed like somebody who could pick this stuff up. But Parrish Cobb can pick it up in a few months. I imagine Makai Quick can. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him out there. Now, Eddie, did you tell me that you t- – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. No, no. Uh, just kind of a quick thought. Does it feel like Parnell Motley's kind of fallen off the map in the last few weeks? Like he was the early buds, and now it feels like he's not really being discussed. Like it's Cobb, and you hear some quick – but you don't hear much about Motley anymore. Like I, I don't know if like maybe when they started installing defense, it kind of piled up on you know. Like I wonder what happened because there was so much early talk, and now it seems like it's really fallen off. But you guys are there would know better than me. Well, I, I'm trying to figure out. It was 
is it Quick that was listed as Jordan Thomas's backup? Yeah. And then Motley, the third, or was it an or? Yeah, if you want to go by the depth chart, it's Jordan Thomas, Makai Quick, Parno Motley on one side, okay. and then Dakota Austin, Cobb, and Banasaur. And you can just black out in Banasaur's name, probably. <laughs> I think at some point, maybe just Ty went to Parrish Cobb, right? I mean, maybe they thought, you know, both Motley and Cobb were looking good, but Cobb, I mean, as you know, Josh, watching those guys' high school tape, Cobb's the better athlete. He's just the bigger and better athlete. So, I don't know, maybe Ty just went to Cobb on that one. I, with Motley, I always wondered if he would, you know, I think we talked about this, like even recently when there was all the buzz about Motley, he was such a skinny guy. Like I kind of thought he was going to be a Zach Sanchez Yeah, he's scenario. still like 170-ish probably. Yeah, where he'd need that year to redshirt. And it wasn't that he couldn't play. He just needed to get bigger and stronger. Is he listed and at 190 on the roster or 180? Is he? Who's that? Motley. Motley, yeah, yeah six foot 180. That's what I thought. Yeah. I'll take the under. Sorry, on Josh. Yeah, no, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. And I, I'm with Joe. I would take the under on that. Being that and I want to be honest. I see a lot of these kids. I never saw Parnell Motley with my own eyes. But just watching his tape, I'm guessing that he is dogs. under 180. It's dog time. Yeah, the of course, man. Not uh, We went like two whole podcasts without it, so she had to break her streak. If you ever need... Uh, evidence though of not looking at it too deep and expecting the next guy to go in it would probably be just the example of Stephen Parker I mean Will Sunderland's listed behind him but it was Khalil Hofton that came in the game yeah. when Parker went out for injury and uh, you well, know I will add that Parker's fine I talked to him on that's what Tuesday. I was gonna He's, yeah I he said it was a bruise and nothing big he didn't even know that if he was gonna wear a brace on his shoulder I asked him and he didn't know so so that was the topic good news. we talked about we they've got Imbonasaur behind Cobb there's no talk about Imbonasaur this week. It's it's quicker Motley moving over behind Cobb. Like I mean that that the depth chart's nice as a jumping off point. Jordan Evans goes out. Who comes in? Emmanuel Beal, not Reuben Hunter. Yeah. So I mean, like you, you can kind of go down the list, and you just have to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. And I know it's just a few plays, but I thought Emmanuel Beal popped a little bit when you. No, out there. I liked what I saw. I thought he looked good. Agreed. The the one thing Josh that you uh, you did I think say in the Monday morning quarterback and I think it rings true here is that usually after losses you see changes made and it's going to just be interesting on Saturday to see what changes are made even though it's the second week of the season. I I was really proud because we talked about this in podcast about a month ago and I kind of brought it up and I, I felt like I was kind of the turd in the punch bowl like this only seems to happen when things go bad for OU I I think you'll see. Okay, guys, let, let's set let's set a little over under here. You guys know I love these games. Michael Jones, twenty snaps on Saturday night. Ooh, I'll go under. I'd like you know me. I'd like to take the over on that. I I, I don't say know get how, him like, ready again. You should beat ULM by forty. This is not even a good ULM team. This this is a young group, bunch of new guys, a lot of change. I don't understand. Like to me, like why wouldn't you run him out there and see what you've got? Just, just see. And if if he's not, then he can come up with one of those random ankle injuries, and he's got his medical red shirt. Everybody goes on. Did, he didn't. But, he didn't participate in the Houston game, right? He didn't. He wasn't. Yeah, no. He, they ended up only playing two true freshmen, Parrish Cobb and <clears throat> Mark Jackson, Jackson. My guy. Let, let, let's just be honest about that. Mark Jackson got on the field before any of the other guys, as someone in this podcast predicted. Thought there oh, were. Damn. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> I, I, I was chastened after what I saw, what I heard after the first media access. I was like, man, I missed. I was wrong. I'm excited that I wasn't 
that wrong. While, while we ponder the Michael Jones topic, I will tell you, I talked to Mark yesterday. They brought him in for media, uh, which is cool for a true freshman. He turns, what, he's 18 this Saturday? Is that right, Eddie? Yes. He turns 18 years old this Saturday. He already played in a college football game. And I, I really kind of was uh, surprised by his maturity. He sounded like a kid who has really started to get things. He has everything kind of together. Uh, he says Oboe is already mentoring him, teaching him how to be a full pa- full uh, outside linebacker, not just a pass rusher, which is sounds like something people have been beating into Oboe for three years that Mark's picking up on a little quicker. So I, I, don't, I was kind of impressed by Mark. I hope he told him not to hit the guy in the helmet when he follows through on a pass rush. How about to cover the running back out of the backfield? Just keep him away from Pickleman Saturday night. Right? <laughs> uh, Josh, there's something else that we have to talk about. By the way, uh, let's hit on some recruiting stuff real quick. And, and I know there's not a whole lot to hit on. But I know the number one question I think we all got after that game was, Oh my God, how does this affect Oklahoma's recruiting class? Josh, what's the, what's the buzz there with, with guys that you've had a chance to catch up with? Well, it's funny because honestly, just as I was uh, getting ready to go on the podcast with you guys, I had finished doing an interview with Ondario Robinson, uh, Oklahoma's defensive end offer from Hutto, Texas. And he's actually going to be on campus for an unofficial uh, for the Ohio State weekend. And really, from the talk I got, he, he's down to OU and A&M. That, that's what it feels like. I think to Quan Graham, I guess the silver lining for OU is that it pretty much takes Texas out of his equation and now he's going to pick between OU and A&M, and I think OU may end up getting the last visit, so that's always a positive. But, you know, and it's something Joe talked about last week, and I really meant to dive into it, and I didn't. The, these kids don't watch college football like the, three, the four of us or, you know, the, the fans that are listening to this. They don't absorb it in the same way. Like, it's not the same thing. They'll look at scores. They might catch five minutes of a game. But they're high school kids. They, you know, a lot of them on Saturdays have their own team meetings to get to. They don't see all this stuff. They don't live it snap by snap and down by down. It's not a whole thing. So it's not going to be the huge immediate reaction. I think what hurt OU more was Texas's win. That was a th- that yeah. is a bigger deal for OU than Oklahoma losing. I think most of the kids knew Houston was pretty good. They can watch that. No, you can talk to them. Hey, you know, we made a lot of mistakes, bad penalties. You know, we gave them a lot of things that we could have controlled and we didn't take care of business. So and and listen, you know, I think fans will like to hear that when I talk to these players and they're talking about what they're hearing from the coaches, the coaches are owning it. This isn't some put off. You know, they know they just didn't take care of business the way they should. They're not passing the buck. It's it's something that I think, you know, we always hear, you know, the fans wanting blood and you know fire and I, I think that's that's kind of what you hear from the coaches through the recruits but yeah this, this is not a big deal I, I do think Texas hurt obviously you know like I just touched on Taquan Graham pretty much just needed to see Texas get a quality win and he was going to commit and so that's yeah. what ended up happening when they beat Notre Dame. You just want to make sure a, that, that Charlie Strong wasn't going to get fired and that whole staff was going to get exactly, blown out. Exactly. I mean he's, he's an Austin area kid man that's what he wanted to do and with Robinson now, that kind of opens the door for OU because obviously he's another Syntex guy that had UT way up on his list. But talking to him, I, I think he knows the numbers just don't work for him at UT. So he'll end up choosing between A&M or OU probably by the end of this month. So that's something to watch. Talking to Marvin a little bit, Marvin's not freaking out about it. He's going to be up at Ohio State. Um, we kind of hinted at it in scoop, and I'm kind of reluctant even to talk about it now. It sounds like there's a good possibility he will also take an official for the Bedlam game at Oklahoma State. And I, I, we had kind of like 
Scoop had tried to kind of put it out there a little bit without actually saying it because it wasn't something that everybody wants known and it isn't supposed to be out there really, but there is a possibility. I, I still think that that trip could possibly change, but if you're making me guess, I think he does take an official to Oklahoma. I think he takes it for the Oklahoma State game. And so, again, I, I, that's obviously really positive news for Oklahoma. And it, whatever you want to say, where, where Oklahoma is still recruiting uh, linebacker and defensive line, they played pretty well. I don't think the kids are going to be like, well, I wouldn't want to be part of that. Those guys played fine. So I, I think there, there's going to be a lot of knee-jerk, and I understand it, but I think it'll be okay for OU as long as this doesn't turn into some huge slide through the season. All right. Um, I, think, I think it's actually going to be helpful for the recruiting weekend of Ohio State. This is kind of a you know, it's pay-per-view this week. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of people probably after a win that will kind of get jacked up again, ready to go. I mean, you know how it works. I mean, you get down, you play a game, you win. It's just like Texas last year. The world ended after they lost to Texas. Yeah. Uh, then they go out and they start beating some rum-dums, getting ready for this big stretch at the end of the season. So I think you go out, you beat ULM, you better look decent doing it. Uh, and then I think that Ohio State game comes, and people it's enough time to people will get jacked. People that maybe didn't come to the stadium this time will be fired up about going. Uh, and I, I think it could end up being a, a really good environment for that recruiting weekend. If everything goes as, as planned, I mean, with OU winning, and it could be really bad. They're going to lose think. to ULM? No, next week. Uh, two weeks. No, if they two get weeks. crushed against Ohio State, that's their own damn fault. I yeah, mean, okay. That'll screw it totally, yeah. Well, and I think you're right, though. They better play play well this weekend and look like they have some type of uh, the worst thing. Spread that, the ball around to different receivers, you know. Jacob Phillips will be in town this weekend too. The Rivals 250 linebacker, Rivals 100 linebacker. Now. Okay, yeah. So and, uh, Josh Pascal, the uh, Rivals 250 DN from Maryland. I mean, that's that's two for a weekend like ULM. That's two huge visitors for OU to get on campus. By the way, they have kind of released, and for people that are listening and coming into the game, go look on OU's website. Look at a traffic map. I don't know how well people know Norman, but if you're coming from the south, if you're coming from the Dallas area, you need to leave really early. Like Now. Leave now. Leave now. I mean, it, it wouldn't be bad, but I'm telling you, coming across that bridge, across the, uh, the river... It's going to be backed up all the way past Riverwind because the only outlet you have is is Highway 9. It's just, I mean, if you can squeeze by and go all the way down to Moore, do it. But I'm just trying to say fair warning, it's going to be nuts. There is no Lindsay Bridge. If you're listening and you don't know, there is not a Lindsay Bridge. It's not like, it's not like shut off. It's like gone. It's dirt. It's air. It's nothing. There is no bridge there. And then Lindsay from Barry to like uh, what Pickard. Was it? Pickard is dirt. It's it's a construction it's impassable. Zone. You yeah. can't you can't drive. You can't on drive it. through this. So you can't come down Lindsay. It's either Highway Nine, Main Street's going to be a disaster. Oh my god! It's just going to be terrible. I can't was even. this a dare to let all this happen during the football season? Like, how the hell in the planning do you think? Well, you know what? Right in early September, we're going to have no access to Lindsay. That that's going to be the perfect thing to do for my thirty-five. It's just such an involved, like they did it to Main Street. It took like two years, so it's just 
it's so involved. They're basically building a brand new giant bridge and and infrastructure is just completely changing. This town is getting too big. I do not like it. I've lived here my whole life. There's always been construction. There's always been traffic. But the last like five or six years has just been. I stay away unbearable. from. I if it's Saturday, I don't go anywhere near I thirty five. I don't I mean Lindsay Maine Robinson sometimes isn't fun to go down. I mean this town right now is very clustered. It's not fun, and it's not like these games were a joy to drive to before all this construction. So, leave by the early. way, I feel we need to, to discuss something before we get out of here. <laughs> oh no! Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, of course, Eddie and I were down in Houston. Josh uh, says, "Hey, I'll come pick you guys up for the game you're going to Thursday night." I thought, "Oh, okay." And Eddie, did I not say before he came, like, Josh always says driving some type of monstrosity. Yeah. yeah. Like, every time I see him, his car gets bigger and bigger. And, like, last time it was this giant SUV when we went to Houston, I think, for Rivals Camp. And so Josh pulls into the, he pulls into the, the, the hotel lobby area. And Eddie was like, had you seen his car before? Mm-mm, not okay. the truck. So he's like, oh, there's Josh. And I'm looking and I'm looking for like, you know, like a little Chrysler 200 or something. And I, I go, where? And he's like, right there. And he points like up to the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is driving like, that's not a dually. That's like a half ton or something. Like, what, Josh, why do you have such a gigantic truck? Well, basically, okay. For the people that don't really understand how my job works, on a Monday to Friday basis, especially not in the football season... You're hauling hay? I pretty much drive Laney to school, and then I go to the gym. Those are the two places I drive every day. Other than that, I do nothing. Like, there, there's no... I don't really go anywhere. I don't have, like, social friends in Houston that I'm going to go see or have lunch with or go out for a few drinks. Like... I overrated. hang out with my wife and my kid. Like that that's all I do in Houston and I see the in-laws from She'd time get to time. You on a mandate. So, yeah, no, I mean it really is like if I wasn't married it would be an I love you man situation. Like I would have to find we need buddies. To, yeah, we to, need to, to find your 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 uh investment. It can get really awkward though when you start taking him to are, high school games. You are Peter Clavin. Do you have No, I, I well, and the thing is like in Oklahoma, I have a great set of friends that I've had since high school. I've had some of them for like 25 years. They are extremely close friends. And I pretty much, I mean, it's surprising to everyone. I know as lovable and likable as I am, I hate pretty much everyone. Like, I don't really want to be in anyone yes. else's presence. Like, I like my friends. I like my wife and kids. I can live with you three. And other than that, I don't really have any need for anybody else. Like, that, that everybody else is just extra thinking and talking and things that I don't want to do. I was telling Eddie the other day, like, since we started doing this podcast, we've talked more in the last three months than probably the last five years. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Like, like just I, having I, conversations. Yep. Like, I feel like we, and it's, it's this is going to sound really, like, and I guess I'm the married dad, so I have to be the one to say this. Like, I feel like we know each other much better now that we're talking about one another in a public forum that everybody in the world can hear than we ever did, like, privately speaking, when we could, you know, be honest and not have to worry about the repercussions of everyone else knowing about ourselves. 
See, and Eddie and I are just like an old married couple because we've been on so many road trips, road trips. together. When you drive from uh, Phoenix to San Antonio three times, was it three? Yeah. Yeah. God, that's I think awful. that's right. That, like, and I'm a road trip fool. After driving know, to bad. Phoenix. Like, I, I got to the point where I started flying Eddie to Phoenix so he could, like, stay with his family for Christmas. So I would, so it became a thing. Like, I like to drive out there by myself because that's 14 hours. And I, I, I stop in, in uh, Flagstaff, and then I drive down through the Sedona Mountains you know, into the, Phoenix. The good news about this is, you know what the good news is? Well, I guess that's not good news. About what? You won't have to worry about flying me out on Christmas this year. Probably be done by the middle of December anyways. <laughs> <laughs> when does the Inside.com Bowl play? So we're not going to the Valero Alamo Bowl? I could do a little San Antonio. That's a good bowl, though, for the Big 12 now. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's like their number one, number two bowl. Or I think technically, other than the Sugar Bowl, that's their next best bowl. You know, the USA Today did come out with their uh, week one bowl, bowl projections projection. oh, today. OU, uh, OU Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, which I would probably be completely down for. I'd be down for that. I haven't been to New Orleans since I was 15, and I don't think that's when you're supposed to go to New Orleans. I went to New Orleans when I was 15. I went to Las Vegas when I was... 13 those are not times when you're supposed to go to those places have you not been to las vegas since either no i haven't no uh wow joe you need some sin in your life i know right i mean i've been to my bachelor party like life has been uh, kansas city was fun i did that with a buddy i did denver and that was kind of okay but no never done the las vegas so we've had this discussion but we but we still haven't had it explained to us why you drive a truck (laughs) <laughs> that you need a ladder to get into. <laughs> I, I really thought I'd let us off course, you know, like that. That's no, like you. I mean, like you're like I mean, six but, two. Why do you need I, a ladder? No, I'm a tr- I need a oh, ladder for everybody else. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no. how do you, you like? You, does your wife have to get in first while you throw Laney to her? Oh, you should watch Tiffany try to load Laney into a car seat in that truck. Like it's, it's like a process, you know. Like it kind of looks like, um, uh, like the shot put in the Olympics. Like she's got to kind of get a wind up and get her stance just right. And then like leap Laney into the seat. Like for me, it's just, I just hand her in there. Like, I don't think anything of it, but for Tiff, I mean, for those obviously that wouldn't know, Tiffany's about five foot three, she's little and short. And so it, it just wouldn't work out at all, but it's kind of hilarious to watch. But no, I, my first truck was a truck or my, my first truck was a truck. My first car was a truck. I've had several since. Like, trucks are just what I'm most comfortable driving. And I have an SUV. Like, my last car before this was a Toyota 4Runner. So, like, this idea that I always drive monstrosities is a little off. That The SUV that you saw is Tiffany's car, and that that's what she drives all the time. So, we have a huge... And it's giant, yeah. How yeah, we have you- two huge cars. There's no doubt about it. But, like, we, you know, we have to make these trips to Oklahoma, like, around Christmas every year, which, you know, some of the board knows. And we're there for, like, a week. Do you even understand what loading a car is like when you have presents for a week worth of like three families? You're going to come back with three families who see your two-year-old about every six months. So they throw everything they can at her. Like are those cars as big as they are, they are loaded to the gills when we come and when we go from Oklahoma. Like it's always crazy. So we always drive these huge cars and usually, like, if I leave the state of Texas, I don't take that truck. I, I'll rent a car, and I get, like, the most fuel-efficient thing ever. Like, I think when 
our last trip. I, you brought up a Chrysler 200. I think that's what I rented last time. I like that. It got like things. 38 miles to the gallon. It was beautiful. Wait, so let me get this straight. To, to garner empathy to talking about your huge truck, you don't talk about all the work you have to go doing it, all the people you have to go help. It's you, about Christmas presents. You had to fill it up with presents. Yes, yes. No, you, you need all that extra space all for all those presents. All the crap that people give us, we need it for. <laughs> It, it really is, you know, like it's, it's hard to have such a spoiled child. Like it's really, it's not as easy as it sounds. And, but no, I mean, you know, when that bed gets used Christmas trees and I want the world to know I buy two Christmas trees that that's how dedicated I am to the Christmas spirit. So Wait, you put them both in your house. Oh Yeah. And if I could buy a My bigger God, one, how Tiffany big is your house, Josh? If Tiffany <laughs> would allow talk me about to how buy how much like money you're making or something, 30 foot. Oh, Okay, first of all, everybody in this conversation knows it's not from the website. that I, I married very intelligently. My, <laughs> t- Tiffany does very well. So super excited for her. Josh but, is the trophy husband. Like Yeah, exactly. Like, well, that's why I have to go to the gym every week and do, you know, I have to do my squats, make sure it all looks tight and right. So, you know, but, um, but no, it, it, it is. I mean, like, it's j- like Tiffany sees my paycheck and like she kind of giggles and goes on about her life. Um, but uh, but no, so I mean, it's it's just like I just love trucks, and that's the one I loved at the moment. And I want it like for the record, I had for those that don't see it, it's got bumpers and rims it's and like this so whole big. thing. Ah, I am a strong man. <laughs> Take a run at me. I mean, that's what that truck says to me. I'm moving no, in. I'm moving in looks, with the McQuestions. It looks like compensation. No, it absolutely does. It wasn't my intention. Like, I was just looking for a regular Ford little, you know, F-250. That's what I wanted. I say little. That doesn't work, obviously. But I just wanted one. But what is it? Like a, a 950? Is that what the model is? Because, like, it's way beyond the F-150. Yeah, it, it, it's a 250. Like, it, I mean, it's and it's not diesel or anything crazy. Like, I mean, it's... it. It, well, diesel but, would mean, be better. That saves on fuel. Well, at times in Texas, the fuel is actually considerably cheaper to to do gas for at least where I'm at in Texas. I can't speak for the entire enormous state. I will say though, Josh, and we talked about it on uh, Friday night. It we did fit it in the Houston Episcopal uh, parking garage, so it it did fit. One so of the more that impressive. Big. That's the first parking garage that trucks ever fit in, and of course, yeah, but nobody around you would be able to open their doors. No, it fit in a it fit in a, a space. It had its own. I mean, space. it is it is such a monstrosity. It has motorized mirrors that fold themselves in when you turn it off. And you have to no no no. You have to remember to do it yourself. It's a it, it's a it's. A, I mean, like you're right. It's motorized, but I have to hit a button. They don't do it on their own oh, because uh. it's. No, I, I'm not saying like it's a tough thing. I'm saying you have to remember to do it, or someone's going to hit your your side mirror. I like that. It's, it's huge. There's no argument. I have no denying that. I feel like we also glossed over the fact that you said that there was a high school parking garage. Oh yeah, Gee, yeah, uh, three levels at Houston Episcopal. Like it's one of the nicest parking garages I've ever parked in. Like it's it's really nice. And I Eddie will tell you like I pulled up thinking, okay, we're going to find a spot here out in the you know out in the lot where it's open. And then I kind of looked, and I was like, Eddie, I think this will actually fit. And we drove right in, parked. I mean, but it's Houston Episcopal, so I'm sure there's kids driving, you know, a $130,000 jacked-up Hummer that probably is taller than mine that has to fit in, too. All right. Um, I didn't expect, like, 10 minutes on your truck, but 
you know, we killed some. Time. I, I wanted we, to be forthright. I didn't want to hide behind the truck. We got plenty of sports talk in, so we finally could. Talk yeah, some I, I, I felt like this was a very hardcore. We let Eddie vent. Hopefully, that is Eddie. You feeling better now? Uh, no. And I still have a thing. What? Can, can what? we talk about how the loss was Carrie's fault? Can we discuss? This? Oh yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So we've had the same intro, which we discussed doesn't even really fit what we talk about for this entire summer for years now, really, Carrie, when we kind of doing we're doing the podcast off and on. This was and it. What do you do? You go and change the intro to Stranger Things. <laughs> Stranger Things it was. I I I guess and even just playing that now I've I've damned them to a loss you sent ba- this week. You sent Baker Mayfield to the other side. The line is moving toward ULM in Las Vegas right now. You have to go get Baker Mayfield back from the other Might side. Might not be a bad idea plus 44 though. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't cover Eddie are you, is that I mean what what I'm is not, an acceptable win for you this weekend? 70s. They got to get in the 70s? Yeah. Just so you know, Louisiana no, Monroe. No, seriously, 65 to 10. Louisiana Monroe be, was up by two over Southern at halftime. Two over Southern. They're bad. I think they I'm just need to like play. 52-7. I think an acceptable win, regardless of score, would just be a clean game. I mean, uh, I think just looking like the team that I think a lot of people were expecting would probably be the most simple way to put it. I but, wonder if there'll be any kind of... You know, uh, malfunctions during this game, like what, like like with the south like end zone and stuff. Like what if the speakers got stuck on, like with feedback <laughs> and burst everyone's eardrums or <laughs> oh, something? A hundred percent chance something goes wrong there. I, there probably will be something. Replay problems. Oh um, God, if there's replay problems, that it's going to be bad. Or just, I mean, there have been times over the years where the TVs just quit. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but it's happened. Like I think it happened. I think I'm, it happened during pregame introductions one year. I, I, I think you're. That sounds right. I forget what it was though. Was it like the the video was just on? Went, like the whole thing just went blank. <laughs> There's no for way. For like ten or fifteen minutes. It's fun to be on the headset uh, in the Sooner Vision control room when stuff like that happens. Some of my favorite cuss words were learned in the television business <laughs> when stuff like that would happen. And but, you know, it's a 6.30 game, so the lights, the new light stands are going to be used. I don't know. It's, it's, I can't think that there won't be a hiccup. I mean, this is so down to the wire. There's one thing I will say. I, will, uh, I saw earlier in the week, I need to put it on the board. They put out, like, um, maps and stuff of where people need to enter for what specific gates. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'll put that on the board, so... If in and case it you're is. Wondering. It's not. You won't be entering from the the south. I mean, it'll be from the the side. Yeah, that 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 part is still gate under construction. Twelve and, and gate eleven one. or one. I it was one one or and eleven and twelve or something like that. But yeah, they they were just finishing putting up the gates this week. I mean, as of today and yesterday, I think they're still putting in furniture in all yeah. the suites. Yep. Yeah. So it's uh, they're going to be not to mention, like I was talking to Joe about this the other day. They're going to spray something called Gorilla Snot over the entire construction zone to keep the dust from flying all over the place. Oh, that's what he was I'm making everything what he was dusty. About. Yeah, because apparently that's an issue. It will be a good warm up for a lot more people. I think uh, that they're expecting on uh, the seventeenth. Uh, what's kind of crappy now for Oklahoma is with after this loss, there's no real good 
to come out of this week. And the only good is status quo. Nothing goes wrong with the new stadium. Nothing goes wrong in the football game because any kind of great moment that happens on the football field is going to be met with like a half-hearted, eh, woo. This, game, this week is going to be kind of hard for Oklahoma to get really any kind of positive momentum out of. Only negative momentum can come out of this now, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to win convincingly, look really good. Uh, you have to have some running game going. You have to have Baker throw to a lot of different receivers. And people want to see everything they didn't see against Houston. Do you think something that I, I was thinking about too, and I put it on the board that I probably would? Do you think they limit P Ryan? Because I think you should. Yeah, I mean, if there's any question, should. you should. I think they should going into it. I must put this in my ten thoughts. Does anybody come out of a game and come back in more than Samaj P Ryan? I feel like that happens five or six times yeah, a year. Yeah, but it was him. always his ankle in the it's, past, and now it's just. I don't know. He's just not. He, I think that's bad. I mean, when you don't let somebody get hit ever, he hasn't been hit since last season. Yeah. I mean, they don't let him get hit in practice. So he, his his body hasn't built up any kind of a tolerance for violent collisions. Yeah, he took the biggest hit I've ever seen him take in that Houston game from a guy that shouldn't have done that to him. I mean, he got stopped cold. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, that was that was strange. That was one of those moments that kind of fit into what Josh was saying was, what is this game? This game feels weird. And it's that, it's that Stranger Things crap. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> See? Uh, and Stranger fun. Things, Greg, like Greg Ward was, what, he run for like two yards, three yards? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like if I'd have told people that last week, oh, people are picking OU by four touchdowns. Like, I mean, it wouldn't even have been a contest. So Stranger Things, Kerry, you screwed everybody. I will say, though, I do love that show. I didn't mean to say it was crap. Joe, you're always getting in trouble. All right, that's out. We're done. We're out of here. We have. We're just making a horrible show with every other comment now. I think that's kind of the point of our show, though. Don't people say they think we drink while we do this? No, they request that we do drink. I think that's a criticism of our show. Oh. <laughs> that we need to drink more, be more interesting. That would be. Uh, that we could would be fun. We could play like a game, like guess which person is drinking this podcast, and we won't tell you. All right, that is going to do it for the unofficial 40 podcast. Uh, that person would probably usually be me. In fact, I'm drunk right now. I just didn't tell anybody. Uh, I'm going to go over and talk to Bob Stoops, maybe drunk, maybe not, uh, with uh, a handful of beat writers, and we'll let you know what happens there. Uh, but, Josh, appreciate you joining us on the podcast. I'm sorry that uh, there's not recruiting information just flying all over the place, although I know you're not sorry because it's kind of gives you a little break which you don't get normally during the year. Uh, but uh, thanks to Eddie, to Joe, I'm Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys next time back here on the Unofficial 40.